Greetings in the matchless name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Man, good to see you all in the house of God. Man, so encouraged to see you all in the house of God this morning. I want to just straight away get into the Word of God. Uh, we're going to listen to, continue listening to what the Lord has been ministering to us over this past several weeks. Uh, I want to turn to 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 to 14. I solemnly charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with great patience and instruction. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires and will turn away their ears from the truth and will turn aside to myths. But you be sober in all things, end your hardship, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. For I am already being poured out as a drink offering and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on that day. And not to me only, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Make every effort to come to me soon. For Damas, having loved this present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. Crescens have gone to Galatia, Titus to Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. Pick up Mark and bring him with you, for he is useful to me for service. But Tychius I have sent to Ephesus. But when you come, bring the clock which I left at Troas with Carpus and the books, especially the parchments. Alexander, the coppersmith, did me much harm. The Lord will repay him according to his deeds. Be on the guard against him yourself, for he vigorously opposed our teaching. Stop it there. For the last several weeks, um, you know, we've been looking at the Christian race. Say the Christian race. Amen. The focus has been on running this race, fighting this good fight and finishing strong and laying hold of eternal life to which you and I have been called. And we've been looking at it for a while, different aspects of it. Um, you know, we've been reflecting on many things uh, and uh, also what is at stake if you run without eternal perspective. And I want all of you to be aware of it. What is at stake? If you're living on this earth without eternal perspective, there is so much at stake. And I'm trying to bring to your attention, what is at stake? What are you taking lightly? What are you overlooking? If your life on this earth is a life that is taken for granted, and the way you li live this life on this earth is, you're not considerate of what's going on in your life. You're just going through the motions of life, you must understand in the light of the scriptures, what is at stake? How important is it for a Christian to stay focused? Man, to stay focused. And I, I like what uh, Sister Sheila was sharing this morning. She said, remember. It is not, will you please, if, you, if it is convenient for you, remember. No, remember is a commandment. Remember, that means the things that the Lord has entrusted to us, the things that he has commanded for us, man, decreed over us, is for us to remember, man, and hold firm. You must, it must be within your grip. You must not allow it to slip away from your hands. Are you with me this morning? Are you all with me this morning? Man, the Holy Spirit reminded us to keep our eyes fixed on the finish line, on the, on the finishing line, uh, on, the, on the goal of the upward call of God. Man, the goal of the upward, the prize of the upward call of God. You must have your eyes fixed on that. You cannot take your eyes off those things that God has, uh, you know, purpose for you to have. And we have been encouraged to run with endurance. Tell your neighbor endurance. endurance. Say it loud. Endurance. endurance. Push it into the system. Endurance. endurance. That we may finish the race strong. That's right. You must finish the race strong. And it doesn't matter how you started, how you've been running. That does not really matter. What matters is how you're going to finish. Man, when it's all said and done, how are you going to finish? 
you can be uh, you know you 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 would have seen this long long distance uh, uh, race is always about endurance there are people who go like a rocket from the start and then after two laps they're like <sighs> and there'll be these steady ones who are just maintaining a momentum slowly but steadily they know it's like a clock is running within them and they know when to accelerate when to pick up the momentum and they are steady and you must see the way they finish the last lap they are steady as a rock they are firm every every step is so firm it's so purposeful it's so intentional and they will and you will see them overtake the others who went so ahead of them and that is what is important in the in the christian race in the christian race endurance endurance consistency say consistency oh, the lord has been telling me repeatedly about consistency say consistency tell anybody be consistent. consistent be consistent yes you may have had a, a great season in the past you would have done so tremendously well in the past your progress report says that in that term or in that semester you did so well or in that phase of your life you were excellent in the lord service in the things of god but how are you doing now are you aware that the time is ticking the clock is running out on you man are you with me man lay hold of eternal rewards eternal rewards say eternal rewards say eternal rewards say eternal rewards okay say eternal rewards like how you can visualize a, a million dollars okay or maybe more than that a billion dollars uh, yeah that's right that's where we must be it cannot even be counted its eternal weight of glory is nothing in comparison to what you have here amen and you must be so even when you say eternal rewards eternal crown there must be so much of wow you must be so blown away by those things now you you go like wow when you see a new car on the road or a new gadget in your hand wow i got this new phone the iphone 15 pro max so excited you know it has got i don't know what is how it is different from the previous one but they say it's but when god says something he's never exaggerating do you know that when god tells you something he is never he is never god is never you cannot exaggerate god you just can't you just can't exaggerate god you just can't you can try it you can never exaggerate he is the most 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 now today we attribute those titles to uh, the bishops here the most high reverend you know what what i mean the number of uh, prefixes to their name meaning how high they are and uh, but with god you can say all that and you will still fall short <laughs> you will fall short by eternity that's what i would say that's how far you are from even being able to describe how high and mighty and majestic and holy our god is so the, so let's come back so it's a, it is a spiritual discipline said discipline said discipline like you love it it's a spiritual discipline and a spiritual exercise by which you maintain and keep intact your eternal perspective in this uh, on this life on this earth in this life it's a discipline you can get swayed out of it you can get distracted out of it you can get sidetracked from it but it is by discipline that you maintain that perspective of eternity that perspective of any time now rapture that perspective that you can be taken up now you're going to meet the lord face to face any time now that must be a reality hello that must be a reality if there's anything that clouds it anything that stands you know in the vision of it or eclipses your vision of it it is not worth it get rid of it so it is discipline said discipline i mean that you maintain eternal perspective in life amen and 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 keep it intact and alive all across your life doesn't matter which season of life you are in but you must keep it intact untouched so last week we looked at the the solemn charge which paul gave timothy and we're going to consider that one more time the solemn charge is the solemn charge solemn. say it with a smile some of you don't like it yeah say solemn charge solemn. the solemn charge by paul the apostle to his spiritual son timothy 
He said, in the presence of God, I, I charge you, I solemnly charge you, in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom. The number of things that he, you know, he reminded Timothy about in that solemn charge. I solemnly charge you by God, by his son Christ, who is going to come and judge the living and the dead, by his kingdom and by his appearing. How heavy is that? Man, every time you read it, you should go like, wow, that's, that's some kind of a charge. That's some, some weighty, solemn charge. We were considering the emphasis with the Holy Spirit as given for unfiltered, say unfiltered, godly instruction. The Holy Spirit gives so much of emphasis for unfiltered, godly instruction, undiluted teaching of the word of God. So God is into that. The modern day Christian may not be into that. The modern day preacher might not be into that. But God and the Spirit is into that. Unfiltered, unhindered, undiluted. Nothing, nothing hidden. It's, it's on the face. Say on the face. On the face. There is, and I wanted to know that there is no, say there is no. There is no Christian discipleship without teaching. Somebody agree with me on this. I'm telling you the truth. There is no Christian discipleship without the teaching of God's word. You cannot, you do not qualify to be a disciple or known as a disciple of Christ if you're not under a teaching. I mean, you will not find anybody like that. that because that is God's order, God's design. That's, that's God's definition of a disciple. And, you, and he instructed his disciples to go and make disciples because he wants this to be ongoing. Say ongoing. Man, you are getting discipled to make disciples. If you're not getting discipled yourself, you can't make disciples. And the chain is broken then and there. Are you with me? So there is no Christian discipleship without teaching. You do not qualify as a disciple unless you choose to sit. Say sit. Under a teaching. You must sit under a teaching. You must sit under a teaching. You must sit under a teaching. I want to repeat that. You must sit under a teaching. You must sit under a teaching. And no Christian can expect to grow into a mature man, into the measure of the stature of Christ, unless he chooses to sit under a teaching. In fact, even when, and, and when Paul writes about it, this is, this is what we do. All our admonishing, all our exhortation, all our teaching, this one purpose in mind, we want to present you perfect. We want to present you as a, a mature man who is complete. Who is complete. And that's why we make you sit under our teaching. Appealing to every man. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Man, that is what the church is all about. Somehow, we in the 21st century do not seem to get this. We, we have forgotten this. This is the plan, the design of God. We would like to be our own teacher. Wrong. That is not how it is supposed to be. You are in need of teachers. Man, it's God's design. And the Holy Spirit also says, you know, you don't need anybody to teach you these things. Why? The Holy Spirit himself will become your teacher. The anointing will teach you all things. The church is all about this. The church is not a hangout. Tell your neighbor, the church is not a hangout place. You can hang out in church, but the church is not a hangout place. You can hang out. It's permissible. It's allowed. It's good. But church is not a hangout. Church is not a club. Church is not a place where we all belong. I belong to this church. I belong to Revelation Church. Church is not a place where you drop by every now and then whenever it is convenient for you to show up. Church is not a charging station. Like, you know, you go pull over the vehicle and you charge because you need some, some gas or some charge to keep running. The church is not a charging station. I'm sorry, that's not how it works. But you get charged in the church. That is a different thing. But the church is not a charging station. That's not the definition of church. The church is the place where you get taught. It's the gathering of believers. We come together. They came together for what? 
they were devoted said devoted to what to the apostles teaching to fellowship to prayer you come together to be taught said taught the place where you get taught you know sometimes you 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 pass by every time i i pass by my school every day every day almost every day okay i'm talking about at least the weekdays when they when the the kids have school i drop them to their school which is you know past where i studied so i get to see my school and i every time every time even today i look at my school and like filled with memories and i'm so full of thanks and good memories and the things that i learned I, i'm filled with so such joy and pride you when you pass by your church what are the emotions that come to your 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 heart this is the place where i get taught this is my this is my school my training ground where i am planted where i am established where i am prepared are you with me the church is where the christian believers of all ages gather together across the centuries to receive the teaching of god's word hello i'm telling you for 21 centuries we've been doing the same thing for 20 centuries at least we've been doing the same thing the same thing the gathering of the believers is where the believers get taught discipled in god's word that's why we come together the purpose of church is so that we can come together and get discipled and get taught by the spirit of god that's why christ gave gifts to the church some as apostles and pastors and teachers and evangelists and prophets why for the equipping of the saints the purpose of all this is for the equipping of the saints that you and i will be ready will be useful in the hands of god under ministry i with me it's not so that we can say you can mention i am a part of this church you can mention that in your marriage bio data no but the, the, those columns uh, denomination you had to fill up something so if you are a part of a church you can fill up that that's not the purpose of church church is the place where you get taught you get taught period nothing else you get taught you get taught amen that's where i got get taught amen that's where you get taught you get planted and established and you get encouraged and edified that that's what makes the church i don't know what makes church exciting for you coffee coffee is good is that what gets you excited about church or the fact that you can meet with your friends or you can listen to some cool musicians like litto and and febin and tijo and all when amazing musicians oh dami also he's like why are you not mentioning my name you can again you can you can come together you can have some fun and why do you come to church what makes church exciting for you i want you to know this must make church exciting for you that you get taught in church you are taught the word of god in church and that is the most exciting thing. i'm telling you that must be your perspective that is the truth there is nothing more exciting than that concerning church everything else is like a bonus like you know like an extra an add on but you don't go anywhere for the add ons you go there for the the real thing that's right the real thing the real deal is the teaching of god's word hello man so that's why you know i'm i'm not at all apologetic to uh, apologetic to people who are like you know uh, we wish the church was like this like that you know we wish we had so many more events and this and that i don't care as long as the teaching of god's word is there i know i'm doing right man that's where it must be don't be pressured to do something else man to follow some trend no teach the word teach the word we're going to consider that in in a while we're going to look into all that so i i mean okay last week after last week's message we talked about the solemn charge and then i ministered again on monday evening for the house tours fellowship and we are talking about one thing is only one thing is needed and nothing and nothing nobody can take that thing away from you man and i was expecting to, to see so much of excitement in the church and i was expecting to see a crowd for the bible study guess what we had the lowest attendance for bible study this week because i was hoping that something will change in your outlook to all these things the teaching of god's word must change your outlook it must it must 
it must beat the living daylights, daylights out of you. It must do something, must shake you to the core, affect you so much that it, it brings about a radical change in the way you live. But what to do? We are Malayalis. Say Malayalis. Uh, say it with pride, like you always say. Outside of the church, you say it with so much of... Outside of Kerala, you say it with so much of pride. Malayalis, you know, Keralites. And if you do that, we love beef and... Malayali believers will not flex just like that. Because the gospel came to Kerala first in India. We are the ones who received it first. According to the history, whether it is true or not, we don't know. But according to history, we are the ones who... So we are a, we are a superior race than the North Indians. They, they are the ones who must run to church, rush to church. But we are the ones we have a... I mean, we can, we can ease. We can put our feet up. We have it all sorted. So that's Malayali mindset. I can wait. I do not know for how long I have to wait for you all to catch up to the truth of God's word. But I'm going to keep at it. I want to keep at it. I have to encourage myself. I need to, I need to make these confessions um, more vocal now. Because it's good to be honest. What do you think? I must be honest. And I want to, I want to honestly tell you, frankly tell you that I've been feeling it for a while now. I'm not going to elaborate on that, but I've been feeling it. And by, but by the grace of God, I choose to trust in the one who called me. And I choose to keep at it rather than what I see. I wish after eight years of ministering in this town, I could see a more enthusiastic and more responsive and responsible church in this town. One point we had 30 people attending a Bible study. A Bible study. I'm talking about a Bible study. Almost 25 to 30 people every Friday. I'm not going to go into the numbers. But hey, this is the 21st century. We are post-COVID generation. We have seen it all. I want you to know that, you know what exactly is our problem? The end time dilemma. That's our problem. The end time, the last days. D-A-Z-D. We are in the last days. And we are the people with the, the last days. So everything is hazy. It's all smoke. We can't figure out anything. That's a problem. And as a minister of God, my wish, say my wish. Say your wish, not your wish. My wish, okay? Yeah? If, if I wish my wish is your wish. I wish we, we both will wish the, the same. We all can wish the same thing. My wish is that all of us attain the same level, the same unity of faith. That'll be so amazing. I know it is not easy. It's a, it's a big task. It's a big, uh, it's a big dream. But I also believe that nothing is impossible with God. Nothing is impossible with God. I have been taught, you know, I have been taught this and I, I, I hold it dear to me. I have been taught that no dream that you have concerning the kingdom of God is impossible. It will not go in vain. I believe that I teach that. No dream about the kingdom of God. If you have a dream concerning your life to do with the kingdom of God, it will come to pass. God will back it up. As long as it is not a selfish dream. And I don't think my dreams are selfish, at least in this regard. I have the license to dream big. I dream of a church so vibrant in worship. So vibrant in worship. You don't, you don't need the music for worship. You just come in and you're all in worship. You don't care about the one on the left or to the right. You just want to worship God. You are so vibrant, so full, so given in worship. Undignified in worship. I dream of a church wholly devoted to the teaching of God's word. I dream of a church which can be easily corrected by the spirit of God. Through the word of God. I dream of a church full of reverence and honor. Towards God and the things of God. I dream of a church which, which esteems highly the ministers of God. That you give regard to those who minister in whatever capacity. Those who serve in church, those who serve you. That you honor them, esteem them high. Especially those who teach you the word of God. I dream of a church which gives readily, sacrificially and consistently unto the kingdom. 
without being have to be like reminded that we have to give an altar call come give i dream of a church which always have an abundance of resources for every good work i dream of a church so full of faith and hope in word and in deed i dream of a church walking in love and unity no differences no grudges against each other i dream of a church dynamic with spiritual gifts and its operations i dream of a church full of power walking in signs and wonders and miracles i dream of a church fully ready for the rapture fully ready for the rapture i dream of a church diligent to serve god and to evangelize and to preach the gospel that's my dream i shared my dream with you at least a part of it hoping that you will catch the dream yourself and stand with me stand together so that we can achieve the dream that god has placed in our hearts but we all have different dreams sometimes that's the problem we have we are all running in different directions we all have our own petty dreams if we can resign from pursuing our petty dreams and embrace the dreams which god wants us to have then there'll be so much of unity there's so much of strength so much of power i do not know whether you really care to hear all this but like i said i am choosing to be more vocal about this because it is the confession of my faith it is my confession i have to confess this i am not going to give up i'm going to keep at it now the for the last bible study uh, the last days series for the for friday i was saying that our focus must be on eternity we must be focused on eternity everything in this life is about somehow laying hold of eternity somehow a person who has truly met with jesus okay let's go let me say that one more time a person who has truly met with jesus will be consumed by that vision of eternity all that matters to him is meeting him face to face and that vision if it is real for you will show in the way you live your life every single day of your life every decision that you make the how you meet with people how you interact with people how you spend your money how you plan for your future how you invest uh, you know everything that you do in life will show will reveal whether you truly have caught the vision of eternity or not in other words it is not difficult to identify a person who is head over heels in love with jesus it's not difficult i mean you can easily make out the person who is that person is so full of love for jesus your love and devotion to god your love and devotion for christ is so conspicuous to the world it's it's so evident obviously obvious that's the word obvious not just to your parents okay now my parents know that i'm a very strong believer my brother my sister know that i'm a true christian my friends close friends maybe my pastor knows what about the world around you the extended world around you how conspicuous is your faith your devotion your perspective to about eternity to the world around you how obvious is your love for jesus to the world around you take take your time does your love for jesus so today morning we heard about the sabbath the way you treat the sabbath shows your love for jesus by the way the way you treat church shows your love for jesus the way you uh, you know treat anything for that matter not just spiritual things even you know she said when you go out from the church don't forget all these things and and live any way you want don't let your tongue loose why because you love jesus you want to live in a manner which is worthy of his calling You want to keep high standards because you're in love with Jesus. You're consumed by the passion of eternity. Are you with me? Somebody respond. Somebody with some passion for eternity respond this morning. You got to you got to move, say move. 
from merely existing as Christians to being so radical for Christ. You got to be so radical for Christ. Amen. Like I said, that term Christian should not be something that you just fill up your form. It's just something that you use that word. You know the spelling, why? Because every now and then, when they ask for your religion, you say Christian. You have to stop merely existing as a Christian like that and start living so radically as a Christian. As somebody who knows Christ, you must live for Jesus. You must be so, so full of zeal for the work of the Lord. You want to tell others about Jesus. You know that the time is running out. I must tell others about Jesus. I must tell my friends about Jesus. I must tell my neighborhood about Jesus. I must let them know that I love Jesus. Your devotion must be something that you wear with, with pride. Say pride. There are things which are good when it comes to pride. Some good things that can go with pride. Okay? Not just bad things. You being a Christian is something that you must wear with pride. I do not boast in anything else. But my boast is in what? In the cross of Christ. In knowing God. That's my boast. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Only one thing is needed. And if you choose it, it will not by any means be taken away from you. So I will continue to solemnly charge you of the things that matter to God. Nobody is interested. But I will continue. Yeah? If I be the only voice that is doing so in your life, so be it. But I will continue to do it. I will continue no matter what. As long as I have access into your lives, whoever you are, as long as I have access into your life, I'll continue to solemnly charge you by the voice of God, by the word of God. See, that is what Paul did with Timothy. And I, I'm, the more I consider it, I'm so blown away by this relationship. What, did, what was he doing with Timothy? Now, he realized that many had left him on the way. I told you about it last week. Many left him on the way. When he started off his journey and as he was speaking momentum in his journey, there were many people with him. And you see that when you read the book of uh, Acts, the account of Acts, there are many people who came with him, stayed with him, journeyed with him, was a part of the, uh, the missionary journeys and all. But he realized at the fag end of his life, he's looking back and he's saying, many people have deserted me. Nobody stood with me in my, at my defense. There are people who left me for something else. For whatever reasons. But now at this late, uh, the later point of his life, the latter point of his life, he cannot see most of them. But he still have a few people and Timothy is one among those very few. Say few. Say few. Say few people. Say few followers. And Timothy is one among those few. But what is so encouraging about Paul's approach to Timothy is that he did not stop being a true father to Timothy. He did not change his language with Timothy, did he? Did Paul change his language with Timothy? Now that a lot of people have left me, I should be very careful. I don't have much people with me now. He did not change his language to make it more inclusive. Say inclusive. Now that's the word that some of us love. In, make it more inclusive. But he did not change his language to make it more inclusive. He did not become apologetic or defensive in his approach to Timothy. And he's, he was not like this guy, uh, Timothy, this, this boy, or whatever he wanted, he called him, this son. Timothy is one among the few that I still have with me. Let me somehow, say somehow, let me somehow keep him by ensuring that he is relaxed. Anyway, I'm at the finish line. I'm finished, I, I finished the race. I'm at the finish line now. He is happy. I'm happy. We all are happy. Why step on his toes? Why make it, make it uh, very serious? Why should I be very serious? Why can't I be more light with him? But that's not what, what Paul thought. Paul did not think like that. He was not pressured to keep people. Hello? Hello? Are you with me? Paul was not pressured to keep people by changing his language, by changing his approach. He was focused on building people. Say building people. You better be focused on building people than pleasing people. I mean, you can please people all that you want and they, they'll never get built. 
they'll end up in destruction but if you are focused on building people i'm telling you they'll be sorted in life amen you might displease them i mean the correction can be strong on them hard on them they might not like it to start with but i'm telling you if you keep at it keep building keep building keep building keep at it so paul was focused on building people he was wholly developed on raising up the ones entrusted to unto him the ones who were entrusted unto him so he continued with paul the way he was the way the holy spirit led him to do it i solemnly charge you timothy what at the end of your ministry you're still talking to me like that i solemnly charge you why can't you be more kind now now that we know each other for a while now that i have grown up now that I, now that i have proved myself in ministry now that I, now that i'm pastoring a church at ephesus why can't you be more kind more soft with me why can't it be more um like he said please timothy can you do it no he said i solemnly charge you and strong reasons by god by christ by his appearing you can think and most of us can think but hey paul that is so politically incorrect that is so against a good leadership style that defies all psychological lessons that you can ever have that's not how you deal with people you need to have more people skills you are in the prison you are helpless yourself and you are writing to somebody who is outside with such command and authority who are you are you getting this you just cannot make a solemn charge over today's young people timothy was young you be careful the way you speak to young people they will they will leave you they will take offense and they will leave you remember demas Paul you remember Demas sir Demas you remember Demas now you were so strong on him probably and that's the reason why he left he left for something better than what you had to offer you be careful Paul remember Alexander who was with you initially and then he got on the wrong side with you and started to vigorously oppose your teaching why because you were so you were like very serious with him so strong on him don't step on other people's toes paul don't why don't you go easy on timothy i with me why don't you go easy on timothy be soft on him don't solemnly charge him don't be very serious with him but paul chose to go ballistic that's the word he chose to go ballistic with timothy all guns firing i solemnly charge you you must understand how how strong that word is i solemnly it means without any fun no jokes about this i solemnly charge you and he is talking so much so seriously now and what is he charging timothy to do that's the most important thing what is paul charging timothy to do preach the word just the way i'm preaching the word i'm preaching to you i'm preaching to others now you have an example in me preach i solemnly charge you preach when all times in season and out of season amen how and that's what blows me away how is he he's telling Timothy to preach in a certain manner he says reprove say reprove rebuke exhort say say preach the word he did not say preach your opinions not opinions not stories not uh, good lessons not good morals not good thoughts not good ideas not persuasive words not motivational speech not marketing ideas or marketing strategies not manipulative techniques preach the word preach the word say word, word. say word. word say word say the word is irreplaceable the word of god is irreplaceable there is no substitute for god's word in your life 
you need the word every human being on this earth they need the word of god that's what they need god's word it sets them free the truth shall set you free what's the truth your word is truth the power of christianity is in the word of god and in the name of christ stick with it stick with the word stick with the word in every season of your life stick with the word in parenting stick with the word in marriage stick with the word in ministry stick with the word stick with it stick with it don't replace the word with anything else and preach it at all seasons of your life whether the season is favorable or not whether it is everything is going good or not whether everything is encouraging or not does not matter stick to the word preach the word there can be ups and downs preach the word don't change your tone don't change your message stick to it preach the word i solemnly charge you timothy preach the word preach the word all the days of your life preach the word and then he says how reprove rebuke exhort with great patience and instruction you know what reprove means i have my definition of reprove okay i'm going to give it to you and then we can look at the dictionary meaning of reprove reprove means reprove meaning prove again as simple okay don't come to me english teachers okay that's not how what it is this is my definition okay reprove means reprove meaning prove it over and over continuously continually continually over and over repeatedly man it implies repetition in correction i believe it implies reprove implies repetition in correction you don't correct your child one day of his or her life damn you wishing i wish it were so <laughs> that you just corrected me once in my lifetime that's not how you correct your children you keep it as a keeper it you repeatedly do it you know the 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 act now i'll come to the actual meaning of the word reprove reprove means to convince that's what it means so you repeat something you reprove it again you reprove it again you preach it you repreach it you repreach it you repreach it to such an extent that the person is convinced now that's reprove what are you reproving them of you're reproving of the of them of flaws you have flaws in your life you have error in your life and i'm going to keep at it i'm going to tell you that is not right that is not right that is not right that is not right not to feel you, make you feel guilty not to make you feel guilty but for you to receive the grace to change simple don't complicate it now we 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 detach all these things we separate all these things and we have made a i don't know what we have made it an avial say avial for lack of a better word out of all this because we we just don't know how this all fits so we just put it all together and then and just mix it all together and serve it that's not how it is it all has its place grace has its place in correction grace is operation when the person receives correction when he submits or she submits to correction that's when grace kicks in strengthens reprove it means to convince it also means to expose reprove also means to expose something to make clear something reprove to expose the faults and the flaws convince people of their faults you know the same greek word that is used here is used in the in the context of uh, john the baptist reproved herod for what for taking his brother's wife that is reprove preached it so hard against him what you're doing is wrong when to another place what you're doing is wrong what you're doing is wrong that is wrong for you to take your brother's wife that is wrong reprove say reprove Con- till the person gets convinced he is repeating it but that's a reproof exposing the flaw or the fault of a person in the light of the truth of god's word that is a reproof i with me hallelujah convince them of their fault convince them of their flaws so that they can change they can receive the grace to be corrected 
they can receive the grace to go up into the place where God wants them to be not for them to be guilty and and uh, in a place of condemnation no that's not why correction comes to you correction comes to you in love does not matter just because i shout i raise my decibels on my children does not mean that i hate them i raise i can i should raise my voice when i must raise my voice does not mean that i hate them i still love them i i love them dearly but i reprove them say reprove i convince them what you're doing is wrong don't do it do this do this Sir repeated, sir reprove, sir reprove, sir repeat, sir convince. Continued or repeated nature of conveying something to convince the person of a wrong. That is rebuke. Okay, now that is reproof. Sorry. Now what is rebuke? Okay, let's come to rebuke. Okay, let's go. No, no. Let, let me say one more time. Say repeated. One more time. Say repeat. Say reprove is repeated proving. Say reprove is repeated proving. It's re-preaching. It's preaching over and over. It is teaching over and over. Some of you go like, hey, you come on a Sunday and hey, there it goes. One more time. Doesn't he have, doesn't he have anything else to preach? Are you with me? This guy have nothing else to preach. Some of you think like that, right? When the pastor is up on the, behind the, the pulpit and you go like, doesn't this guy have anything else to preach? He's saying the same thing. I'll tell you, that is a wrong inference that you have. You know what's the right inference? This guy was not given anything else to preach by the Holy Spirit. So don't complain. When you hear something repeatedly, don't complain. This guy has nothing else to preach no this guy was not given anything else to preach so that you will hear it again and again and again over and over and over man that's the reason it is a purpose it's with a purpose that god speaks to you repeatedly it's a purpose it's with a purpose that he speaks to you repeatedly amen don't don't uh, overlook it don't ignore it when god speaks repeatedly don't ignore it when God speaks once, you must hear it twice. That's how ready you must be to receive. Amen. Hallelujah. So praise God. So praise God. So praise Jesus. Now what is rebuke? Rebuke is to forbid. Say forbid. This is a sharper than reproving. You know why it is? Rebuke means to forbid. It's the same word, the Greek word that is used here for rebuke is the same word that Jesus used. Sorry, Jesus used to rebuke the, the wind. He rebuked the wind, meaning stop. Say stop. Man, stop. That's rebuke. Forbid. Not going to allow it anymore. Forbid. It's not allowed. Forbid. That's rebuke. So he's saying, preach. How? Reprove. Repeatedly keep at it. The same teaching over and over and over. Convince them. And then rebuke. Say stop. Forbid them. Forbid them to go in that direction. Forbid them. That is not right. Forbid. Forbidden. Say forbidden. Rebuke is forbidden. Rebuke is forbidden. Jesus rebuked Peter. Get thee behind me, Satan. He rebuked him, the Bible says. Same word. He rebuked him. Stop saying that. Stop. Get thee behind me. Stop. So rebuke comes from a place of authority. Say authority. Amen. So now this young pastor is being taught by his mentor to reprove, meaning repeatedly convince people of their flaws and their faults so they can get corrected. And then he says rebuke, meaning reprimand them or uh, stop them, forbid them from doing the wrong things. And then the third thing is exhort. Say exhort. Exhort means to comfort. It means to call aside. That's what it means. To implore, call aside, to comfort. So your tone, when you are ministering to anybody, you must use all this according to the situation. You must reprove, you must rebuke, you must exhort. How you must do it? With all. Say with all. With all. 
patience. Say patience. There must be patience. Say patience. Meaning don't, don't lose patience. Don't give up. That's what it means. Don't give up. Be persistent. Say long suffering. Some version says with all long suffering. With all long suffering and instruction means doctrine. Say doctrine. You must go by the doctrine. With great patience. Continue on your teaching and preaching of the word with great patience. With all long suffering. suffering with fortitude and forbearance. Feel the need of the people to receive the word. That's patience. You must feel the need of the people to receive the word, whether they respond or not. If you are teaching somebody, whether they are up to it or not, they, whether they are responding or not, you must feel that they need the word. That's with all forbearance. You may not get the response that you want. You may not get the applause that you want. You might not get the, uh, the approval that you want. But you must feel the need of the people. They need the word. Only the word can transform them. Only the word can change them. With great patience. It's a great patience. All long-suffering. Doctrine. Feel the need of the people to receive the word. Feel the need to be corrected by sound doctrine. You must feel the need. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. Verse 3. But wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires and will turn away their ears from the truth and will turn aside to myths. So he's warning, he's encouraging Timothy. One is an encouragement. And then he, from, from encouragement, he goes into a place of warning and he says, there will come a time when the people will not endure. Say endure. Sound doctrine. Say sound doctrine. Say endure. Say sound doctrine. Say, say endure. Meaning tolerate. Say tolerate. Meaning the sound doctrine will be intolerable for them. Now you, you talk about lactose intolerance. Some people when they take milk, they get intolerant. They, 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 get, they are allergic. Say allergic. Their body acts up. Why? Because they took some milk. Lactose intolerance to lactose. Some people have intolerance to say seafood. Now I remember one time we were at a restaurant, we were eating and we ordered, few of us, we were together, we were eating, we ordered for chattichor. Okay? And this person who was with me, I didn't know that he had an intolerance to seafood. And he did not know that chattichor will have prawns. So we started eating and he was just about to take his first mouth when somebody exclaimed, wow, the prawns taste so good. He's like, prawns in this? I can't take it. I'm intolerant. Say intolerant. And he was narrating the story of when he took some prawns last time and you know, his whole body like, you know, started itching and they had to rush him to the, the doctor and took medicine and all that stuff. That's how the, the world is going to be. A time will come, he said then, and the time is here, I want you to know, where people are intolerant of sound doctrine. They just can't take sound doctrine. They are allergic. Say allergic. Allergic. Yeah, they start itching. Oh, this is so uncomfortable. Sitting in church is so uncomfortable. Coming for Bible study is so uncomfortable. I can't endure. Say endure. I can't tolerate long hours of teaching. That's what the Bible is talking about. But before you experience it in your body, in your being, the Bible talked about it. Hello. The time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. They will not tolerate sound doctrine. But wanting to have their ears tickled. They want their ears to be tickled. With itching ears. So they, they, they developed itching. Say itching. Because they are intolerant to sound doctrine. So the, the, some version says with itching ears. Now your body starts to itch. Because you took something that you are intolerant to. What did you take in? You took, you were exposed, say exposed. 
you are exposed to sound doctrine to which you are intolerant and you have your ears itching now. And to please your itching ears, to have some comfort for your itching ears, you know what you will do? Or they will do? They will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance with their own desires. Problem solved. Avoid sound doctrine. I'm allergic to it. I'm allergic to sound doctrine. I'm allergic to the truth. I'm allergic to the word of God being preached. So avoid it. Because if I hear it, my ears starts to itch. So because I have itching ears, wanting to have my ears tickled, get rid of that itching sensation, I'll go and heap up for myself, accumulate for myself, teachers in accordance to my own desires, my own interests, my own inclinations, where truth is not, does not really matter. See, the person is allergic to what? Truth. The person is allergic to sound doctrine. Everything else goes. Are you getting this? Everything else goes. No problem. You bring it on. I can have it. I can eat it. I'm a glutton with everything else. But when it comes to sound doctrine, I'm intolerant. See, that's how the world has become now. We come to a, a time and age where people have become intolerant to sound doctrine and have become gluttons of the world. And they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires and will turn away their ears from the truth and will turn aside to myths. They will turn away their ears from the truth and they'll turn aside to myths. See, the, this, the Bible is very clear. Men's has no words. The Bible does not beat around the bush. It makes it very plain. A time is coming. Where people will be intolerant to sound doctrine. Now you preach, you, you, you preach the word, you keep at it, you, you keep at it, you keep at it in every season of your life. You reprove, you rebuke, you exhort with all patience and sound doctrine. Why? A time is coming when they can't tolerate sound doctrine. And they will have their ears itching. And to tickle away that itch, they will turn aside to myths, away from truth. Well, what a scary place that is. And we are, we are in that generation now. We can see it right here in the church. The tendency to turn away from the truth. Be warned, church. Be warned. Be warned. Let's, let's maintain our desire for the pure milk of God's word. Let's guard it. Let's guard it. Let's, let's maintain our ear for, the sound, for sound doctrine. Our interest for pure word. Man, our attentiveness, say attentiveness. Our attentiveness for the pure word of God's word, pure milk of God's word. You must be so attentive to the word of God. Why? Because the world is luring at you. The world is trying to get your attention and take you away from the truth. So some of you think, okay, I just remembered something. Some of you think that the, the Bereans were such a closed people. They were so, like, you know, guarded the truth of the matter is, they were the most open people Paul would have ever ministered to. That's the truth. We have it all wrong. You know why? When, they, when, when Paul came to them, these guys have been disciples for a while. They know the truth. Okay? They know the truth. They have a foundation, strong foundations. And one foundation that they have is, make sure if you hear anything new, you examine the word of God. So when Paul came to them, and Paul is full of revelation, okay? Now we have all these books, we flip through the page like, you know, we, we know it from Adams. No, that is not how it was. Some of the things that are written here were unknown to them. It was far from them. And Paul came around to these churches. He came to the Berean church and he started preaching some revelation. And it was new to them, say new. It was not the, in the same level to which they were exposed to. They were exposed to milk. And Paul is coming to them with meat. Are you with me? Are you getting this? Hello? Just receive this. Receive this. See, and, and we think being like the Bereans means to be like this. No. Being like the Bereans means be open. Open mind, open heart, open Bible. That's what being like the Bereans mean. That's how the Bereans were. They did not reject the teaching of Paul. They were open to the teachings of Paul. You know what they did? The Bible says they examined the scriptures to check, to see whether these things were so. What does that mean? They were so open. They heard something new, something different. 
something so drastically different from what they already know known in with their minds but they were open say open today the problem is the church is not open the church is not open to the truth the church has become so close so reserved so guarded against the truth they can't take the revelation of god's word what you ought to do you must understand that there is always a higher level of reality that you must understand from god's word like we said on friday revelation is progressive amen it took ages for us to reach here it took us centuries for us to reach here amen some of the things that they thought in the in the few centuries back it's not the same that we know now why because the spirit of god has revealed more and we have progressively learned amen deeper things of god's word all the movements uh, the renaissance the reformation all those things happen why so that the, the scripture will become more alive to us are you with me and do, the lord is doing the same work in our midst now but it can only do anything to you if you are open say open you have to be open amen and you have to do your own study your own research and examine the scriptures first of all make that a habit in your life examine say examine examine the scriptures examine the scriptures to check whether these things are so examine the scriptures for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine but wanting to have their ears tickled they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires and will turn away their ears from the truth and will turn aside to myths 